0: So I want to welcome you, broadcast, to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where we're ministering the word of life, and the gospel is setting people free. So this morning we want to minister on something we've been on for eight Sundays called the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. The uncommon man and the exceptional woman. So if you would turn in your Bible with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at this uncommon man. Have y'all been inspired to be more and more an uncommon man and an exceptional woman? Which the terms are interchangeable. We could call you an exceptional man and an uncommon woman. But it seems to flow a little better this way. Chapter 2, chapter 2, yes, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation. Say, I am. Ah, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Bible calls you and I peculiar people. Well, that's another word for uncommon and exceptional, peculiar. The Passion says you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, of spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. The, basic, the Bible in basic English says a people given up completely to God. So we're talking about a peculiar or an exceptional or an uncommon people that's given themselves up to God. And we can even see watching the uh, Liberia uh, video that these people have, are exceptional, uncommon with with nothing nothing they're believing God and God's showing up well if he does there he'll do it here the easy to read said well, you are a people who belong to God so could we say that about ourselves i am a people who belong to God you are uncommon you are exceptional the Bible doesn't say you're weird, but it does say you're peculiar. <laughs> Be careful with that. We read a while ago in John 10.10 10, that uh, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, might have Zoe. And so that very experience of the new birth and Jesus coming and saying, I've paid the price, the door is legally open to you, to have an exceptional life, to be uncommon, to be peculiar. That is the door. It's not something we do. It's something that he did, and we said we'll agree with that. We'll agree with heaven. So now we are, in the legal realm, uncommon. Concerning the sinner, you're very uncommon. There are more sinners than there are saints now. Now. Probably now, although it's it's narrowing all the time. So what that means is I'm living you're living above the minimum line. I'm living above what is just required to get along or to satisfy or to be uh, to be uh, an existence. I'm living that. So the new birth has ushered in an uncommon life. If you're not born again, you cannot be uncommon. You are just a common rich man, or you're just a common uh, movie star. You're just a common, but you're still common. They're everywhere. But the uncommon and exceptional that we are cannot be accessed by that realm. So we at our lowest station in this realm are higher and further apart than those that at their highest station in the unborn again realm will ever be. So we got potential. I said we got potential. All we got to do is acknowledge it, agree with heaven, cooperate, submit, come under it, and suddenly things begin to happen that change our life. I would say, now this is just mine, I'm just ministering this as it got ministered to me, that we are choosing a path of an excellent life. Can you say it with me? An excellent life. It's a life of excellence. Now you can live a lesser life, You can live in the world, but be born again. You'll be carnal, you'll be fleshly, you'll be natural, but you'll go to heaven. And I would say, maybe you would guess too, that most Christians live an ordinary and conventional and common life. They're not discernible between them and the world. But I want to be discerned. I want to stand out. I don't want to just have a secret code, a secret life that says, you don't know what I've done, but I've received Jesus, and someday you'll be surprised, everybody will be surprised, I won't be here when the rapture comes and gets us. But everybody else will be surprised, like, golly, look at that guy. We never knew, we never had a clue he was a Jesus boy. I want to be known way before the evaporation from the earth. Now this is interesting, this is so interesting, to get your perspective right. How many times would you say in the Bible the word Savior is used? You give up? (laughs) 37 times. The whole Bible, 37 times. Now, someone told me that, and I looked it up, and I could only find 36, but uh, let's give it the benefit. 37 times the word Savior is used. How about the word Lord? There is a difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. Get this, 7,736 times the word Lord is used in the Bible. Uh, What would you say the emphasis was on the Bible? Having a Savior or having a Lord? I'd say we'd missed it. I'd say that we'd pitched to the wrong batter and that we we weren't doing it. The good news, now listen, the good news is not... The good news of the gospel is not that Jesus is the answer. That is good news. But that's not what the Bible's uh, purporting. The good news of the Bible is that Jesus is Lord. That that shifts you. Because everybody's just like, he came for me to be the answer. Well, he's the answer for a lot of things. But nobody is taking him up on it. He's our financial answer. He's our, our depression uh, answer. He's our sickness an- He's our answer. But he goes uncalled upon, even though he's the answer, until he's made Lord. Jesus wants to be our Lord. 7,736 times it's mentioned. So I say number nine, we've looked at eight of them. I'd say the number nine reason or uh, characteristic of the uncommon man and the exceptional woman, what makes them stand out is Jesus is Lord. Not that Jesus is Savior. They're everywhere, and it's common. Not as common as the sinner, but common. But that Jesus is Lord, you are rare, you are what the Bible calls peculiar. Peculiar. Isn't it good to stand out, (laughs) to stick out? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. Let's look at several scriptures this morning, and let's change our mind today. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change our mind. So let's change our mind. Whatever you have in your head, whatever you think, whatever gets you motivated, whatever uh, helps you make decisions and choices, let's get a new criteria. Let's get a Bible basis for what we go after and why we go after it. If Jesus is already Savior, it's a done deal. You've nailed it. It's a decision. It was a transaction, and it happened. But Jesus being Lord is not a transaction. Well, Lord, I made him Lord one time, and now that's done. Jesus being Lord is not a transaction. It's an ongoing choice. You can't just say, well, I made him Lord back in 79, and, you know, what else does he want? It, uh, it's like a sieve. It leaks. And you can slip into just being a savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. I looked that up in the Amplified, it's a lot clearer. No one can really say Jesus is my Lord except by and under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. So you could mock what's inside of you and say, well, yeah, Jesus is Lord. But it'll carry no weight. It'll have no force. It'll have no uh, standing, except by the Holy Ghost. So it's a part of our heart. It's not of something we just say, "He's Lord, He's Lord, He's Lord." It's something that comes out of our heart, that results from a conviction, a persuasion, an assurance. And you can always say with any kind of confidence, "Jesus is my Savior." I've punched my ticket, and he's the man, and I, someday I'm on... All these little clichés. But for him to be your Lord, everybody knows you're peculiar, that you're different. That's who they look for when they get into times of trouble. Philippians chapter 2, would you slip over there, please? Let's just make a case. Let's just make a case. I, this is not information. You... you I could give you some notes, mail you some notes, and you'd say, "Yeah, that's that," and check it off. But we need to have a persuasion in us that changes our outlook, our future, our perspective. I need to, I need to get up tomorrow morning on Monday morning and and make Jesus the Lord of my life because He's already Savior. Now, even some people are confused about Savior, and so they don't even have that nailed down. But we have. The new birth happened. And as surely as you were born in the earth, you were born in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, look in verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but look, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And here it is. Wherefore, because of that, there's this. God hath, high, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Here's the Lordship. Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There it is. When you realize what Jesus done, you don't say, oh, there's my Savior. You go further and further until you finally say, that's my Lord. So it... You've got to purge some things. There's some things that have got to go out. Mainly that I'm Lord. <laughs> me. It's me. And some things have got to come in. It's not me. It's not me. It's Jesus. And everything changes after that if it really happened. If something really went on and Jesus becomes your Lord versus your Savior or your friend or whatever. And it changes everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. So it says the name of Jesus has been exalted. Not the name of Christ. Not the name even of Lord. Not the the name of the man upstairs, certainly. It's the name of Jesus. Devils do not fear anything but the name of Jesus. That's the only name. And no other name... Uh, even in one account, we see where uh, 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 someone tried to cast out devils by the name of Jesus that Paul preacheth. And the devils tore him up, didn't they? Hallelujah. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. We love this scripture. It says in 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which ye have of God. And here it is. And ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit which are God's. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. So control or lordship has shifted. Actually you were never the boss. The devil owns you. Sin had been had, been, had changed you and I from Adam's stature as a son of God into dominion by the devil. The God, he became the new God of this world. In uh, Romans chapter 10, don't you love this? It starts at the very beginning when you first got born again. There's a low bar been set by religious people. By good natured people, by people that have just made Jesus their Savior, they have reset the bar to be born again. You see in verse 9 in chapter 10, it says, Haha, uh, <laughs> we love this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, there it is. They didn't tell me that when I got saved. A matter of fact, we never talked about that. We went down the front and said, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And I said, well, sure. You know, Why doesn't he have it, or where is he, or whatever? You, know, you want to give your heart to Jesus? We'll be baptized in the evening service tonight. And sure, I was in. That's, that's the only schooling I got. Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And there was a lot of emotion in that, you may have experienced that too, where there's a hype and it's, it's not meant to deceive. It's meant to get you ready. But if you don't involve your spirit man, if you just get in your emotional realm, I am a sinner, and just as you are, are just, what's the song that says, Just as I am, you sing that seven times, then you get, you get to thinking, I am miserable. And without one plea, that Jesus died for me, or something like that. And you get under that emotion, then you'll make an emotional response. But your heart's still where it was if you don't change it. Your head is insignificant. Now, it's good to get your head in line, but it's got to be your heart that changes everything or you're not born again. So we have people that don't require or don't put it out there, don't, don't tell the truth about you can't get born again. Unless you make Jesus the Lord of your life and of course it's at that level we don't know what that means when we get born again we don't know what we have to give up or what we have to do and so you know we go back to our old habits which is natural but the Lordship of Jesus demands a change and the emotional response just demands that when I go into church I always think about what it felt like to get saved but when you get your heart in there no one has to tell you you need to change if you want to really have Jesus as Lord. You want to. You want to change. You feel, you feel that dirty old life, and you want to get it off because Jesus is Lord. It's not something that we have to even know about. It's something that's inside of us at the new birth, that Jesus is Lord. And if he is, if you really got born again, then you have a desire a, a desire. The only thing is, is if you're in a place, a church or a group that does not believe that Jesus has to be Lord, then they will give you a set of uh, life choices that don't involve him being Lord. And so you can still do everything and go everywhere and, and everything. And so it's a low bar. And so we expect that's all there is. I made him my savior. And that is, that is reaffirmed over and over in church even to the rededication of your life. Do you all remember that? Well, how many got saved? Well, none, but we got three that rededicated their life. You can't rededicate your life. You can just affirm Jesus is Lord. You're either born again or you're not. Is that right? You're either born again or you're not. You're not sort of born again, but I slipped a little, and so I'm not born again, but I... No. You're either in or you're not. And so it teaches us, having a rededication teaches us to backslide instead of confessing our sin that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you just rededicate, you don't get cleansed. And so you have to be rededicated another time because it's still with you. Amen. Amen. Uh, I looked up this word, Lord, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead Thou shalt be saved. So that word Lord, I looked it up, and you'll like this. The word means, it's kind of a king word. It means absolute supreme. I saw that movie one time. It says, uh, one of the lines in it was, You're not the boss of me. (laughs) And I'm thinking, that's what almost all Christians say to the Lord. I said I'd go to heaven if you'd take me, but you're not the boss of me. It means absolute, supreme. It means authority. And here's the word. Well, there's two words here that are important. One word is master, which we get that. But the next word is important. It means controller. Say controller. Controller. Ah, come on, let's say it. Controller. Now, that's a hard word. They'll say you're cussing if you say hell, but... uh, it's absolutely you're over there if you say he is my controller nobody likes that and it's inherent in us think about all the dictators in the world think about all the politicians in washington think about all the the governors and even the city council there is something in us even as pure as it is there's something in all of us that wants to control another person to some dimension some degree whether it's small and even virtuously it's in us to administrate and sometimes that administration takes on a dark side control. We like to be in charge of somebody else even if we're not doing very good at being in charge of ourselves. <laughs> ah, what makes them think they can run anybody when they can't run themselves? Hallelujah. So control is is real big in this lordship thing. People want to be in control. I knew someone that said uh, that they always see their life as being on a bicycle built for two, and they were in the front chain. They were in the front seat, in control. Do you know anybody that's controlling? Manipulative? I mean, I can find a better word for it that's sweeter and kinder, but finessed a little bit. But actually, they just were controllers. And uh, it's hard to be around them. It's not a black and white thing. It's not an on and off thing. This is a gradient. It's not like you're either a controller and you're an absolute dictator and you're a monster, or you're completely dominated under the lordship of Jesus. There's some grading in there, and I submit that all of us have some of it going on in some dimension, known or unknown. It's just the way we are, the way we see it. I just was always bossy, and or I was just this and that. But it, it comes up in a lot of ways, one of them being fearful and insecure. Did you know the most, the most controlling people that I've ever known were also the most defensive and fearful and insecure people? If you can back them into a corner, they'll start whining. But until you get them in the corner, they're beating you over the head with everything. Hallelujah. Turn with me to James chapter 4, if you would. James chapter 4. I like James chapter 4. It gives me a lot of encouragement in chapter 4, verse 7. Because I realize... I don't feel like I have power over the devil, but I realize there's a way to to know that I have power over the devil. It says in uh, chapter uh, chapter four, verse five. Let's start up there. Uh, well, let's go to four. Ye adulterers and adulteresses say that five times without. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Wow, that's stout, isn't it? That draws a big line. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain? What does it say? The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but give grace to To the humble. Here's verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Why? Because he resisted the proud and give his grace to the humble. Therefore, submit or humble yourself, therefore, to God. Because he gives grace. Now here it is. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist there is actually a, a, a more developed word. It means... Resist at the onset. That's the greatest challenge, I think, for Christians concerning healing and everything, is that when the devil comes, they don't resist him at the onset because they think they can control it. So they accommodate, they put up with it, they let it stay in until it's bigger than they can handle, and faith has got away from them. They, the thing is bigger than their faith, and they're behind, and he takes advantage. Do you all think that? That could be true, yeah, the uh, amplified says, or do you, this is better, or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom he caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcome with a jealous love? God wants us to make Jesus Lord He is not just saying it's, a, it's, a, it's part of membership. It, you join the club and you got to keep these rules. It's like, I want more of you so I can be and do and, and, and produce more for you, but I need you to draw to me. And then it goes on to it says, uh, in the Passion, here it is, does the Scripture mean nothing to you that says the Spirit that God breathed into our hearts is, is a jealous lover who intentionally who intensely desires to have more and more of us. But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Here it is. So then, surrender to God. Let's point to ourselves by faith and just say that with him. So surrender to God. Nobody in here is completely free of controlling. Nobody in here is absolutely sold out to the Lordship of Jesus. People always say, I'd like to have been like Smith Wigglesworth. And, you know, he'd throw a baby up against the wall, and they would go crazy in the auditorium. And then the baby would live, and, you know, many, many things. And they say, man, I'd like to have been like him. But you wouldn't have been. Because he had such a consecration, such a lordship of Jesus, he wouldn't even allow a newspaper into his house. Because it was worldly, and nothing came. And if you were talking to him, if he, they say, Lester Summerall visited with him, but if you were talking to him, every 15 minutes he'd shut you off and start reading the scriptures. Jesus was Lord, but what a price to pay. Can't even get a newspaper in the house. What do you think TV's gonna do? Probably not. So then he says, so then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. I'm not waiting on God to say, ah, you weren't that good yesterday. I can't come in today. Or, yeah, you were pretty decent yesterday. I'll come in and move in with you. He says, any day, any time. Just, just take a little step towards me, and I'll take 14 steps towards you. He's good. We don't do that. We want a full, dress down repentance and some squalling and some carrying on, and I'll never do it again. We We don't give up our intimacy easy. If you want back in my good graces, you're going to have to do some... Some humbling is what we say. But God said, ah, just, just look up and just say, I want more of you. And he said, I'm in. Now, I wrote this down based on this scripture. Of our 100%, of yours and mine 100%, the devil only has what is not in lordship to Jesus. So you want to squeeze him out. I resist you, devil, you sorry thing. I cast you into the deep sea. Nah. If you want to get rid of the devil, just make Jesus Lord. And the devil will only have what's left over after that. Well, that's a that's a new perspective from spiritual warfare and, you know, carrying on and lathering up and, and you know, discovering what spirit's after you and, where they live, and flying in an airplane. This is what some people have done. Get up in an an airplane and go up there because the prince of the power of the air is up there and we're going to go up there where he is. The word says it's easier than that. Just draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee. I like that. I can do that. I'm always looking for stuff that I can do. Religion says there's no, this is the way to do it, but there's no way you can do it. And if you did do it, you couldn't sustain it. I like it where it's easy. I like it where God says, if you'll just do this, I'll open the whole thing up to you, and it'll be perfect. I was thinking about wisdom. Why do not people, why do people resist God? Why do they not fall in with him? And I remember somebody told me one time, Said, uh, uh, God gave you a brain, He expects you to use it. So that's a, an affront against wisdom. Uh, I mean, for wisdom, for man's wisdom. It says, we, we don't need Jesus to be Lord because He gave us a brain, He gave us wisdom, and we should use that wisdom to handle our life. And do y'all know that's just a cover for Michael is Lord? <laughs> I'm the main event. I only call on him when everything else fails. Well, that's not lordship. You don't want your kids to finally just call, be nice to you when, they, when they're in deep trouble at school and they finally say, oh, dad, I love you so much. And, you know, you know what that means. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends are the way of death. Man's wisdom is pretty low to live by. Uh James 3.15 says this wisdom, man's wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So we need to just say, I'm dumb as a rock, but I've got Jesus as Lord. I'm good. got the mind of Christ. He's interested in me because I'm drawing near to him, and it's work. Uh, I remember Malachi chapter 3 that says, uh, bring you all the tithe in the storehouse. And uh, what does it say? Uh, That there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that you're not easily able to contain it. That's a pretty big statement, bring a tithe. Most people don't like that. Matter of fact, every tither has struggled with that when they first started tithing because... Until you get the flow coming back, you're you're operating on 90%. Until the machine cranks up, warms up, and and moves towards you, at least by the weekend, (laughs) it's not working. So I, I determined that because this is a lordship scripture, it's not a financial scripture, it's a lordship scripture, that... Lordship is trust. It's trust. You go, ah, oh, Jesus is Lord, but I don't trust him. Uh, there's something missing there. We'll, we'll watch you. We'll see how you're nervous or fearful or, or agitated. And because lordship is simply trust. That's what it is in a marriage. If you don't trust, well, then you, you're always got one eye open. Controllers won't bring the tithe, or I'll say they don't bring the tithe into the storehouse because they don't trust the process. Y'all know what the process of tithing is? It's in Mark eleven twenty three 23 that says, speak to the mountain, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he saith shall come to pass. Here it is. He shall have shall have whatsoever he saith so there's a there's a time lapse in there from when you speak to the mountain till you shall have that you have it and the controller we're talking about people that don't want to make jesus lord but they're christians jesus is savior they don't let him into the process they want a dollar down and a dollar back they want something that i did it this morning i'm giving him till supper time Or he's a dirty dog. He doesn't keep his word and all this sort of stuff. Controllers won't bring the tithe. Controllers won't won't go into a relationship that they can't control. Are y'all thinking of anybody right now? If not yourself, thinking, I know those people. They're just controllers. And you go, what's a controller? It's anybody that Jesus is not Lord in some dimension. The less he's Lord, the more controlling they are. Because they have to fend for themselves. That's what the world's doing. That's why the world's losing their mind. Is because if, if they don't make it work, it's over for them. They have no backup. You and I have a backup. Why? It's not even a backup. It's the main event. And so they don't have that. And so you and I don't remember, family, how insecure it is to not have Jesus as Lord. Everything in you is nervous and trying to control. And don't let anybody have control over you. I, I wrote down that it's exhausting to live, uh, to live behind the mask. That we're living like Jesus... We're looking like Jesus is Lord, but we're living behind a mask that says, I am scared to my britches. And I'm nervous, and I have this world and these people... And I don't trust them and listen to what they're doing in government. Look what the church is doing. And he ran off with the secretary and he ran off with the money. And, you know, and so what, what happens is, is they say, i got to compensate. Well, the natural thing to compensate is say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I can't fix it anyway. I can't control it. But most people can't do that, so they just say, i got to take hold here. i got to make sure that my situation is. Is done. I have found these people that are controllers and we're all a sense of that but I mean talking about full-blown controllers they're very easily offended if you say anything it's not in their wheelhouse it's not down their path they want to straighten you up because you might break their life down uh, they are they reject you before you can reject them. No matter what you say, they're like no, no. Um, they're know it alls. They have an answer for everything. You go no, they're just they're just smart. No, they're not. No, because when Jesus is Lord, you don't have to tell everybody I know everything. Uh, they have a problem for every answer. It's exhausting their life is exhausting because they're having to put their foot on every base at the same time. And it's exhausting. My life is not exhausting. It's got challenges and I have to seek God for them or suffer the consequences of going it alone. But my life is easy. You go, what do you mean easy? Compared to everything in the world that Jesus is not Lord, I have a very easy life. Because I rest, I don't think about this stuff. you know what we're talking about. Second uh, Timothy chapter two. I'm going fast as I can, but I just can't go very fast. Y'all know. Second Timothy chapter two. Did you miss your joke this morning? <laughs> I saw some sad faces out there, like, what?) <laughs> Uh, it was the first thing to go when we had time. Well, look, look. Let's see. Chapter 2, verse 24. Yeah. Now, this, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. The servant of the Lord should be apt to teach. Are you all apt to teach? Absolutely. Are you patient? Absolutely. We really are. You just don't remember your old days before when Jesus was savior and not lord. Then it says in meekness this servant of the Lord in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God perventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of truth that oppose themselves. So we're talking about controllers here. Controllers want to find a plan that's more complicated, more difficult, more stressful than God's plan, even though, and it will never produce what God's plan will produce. I'm making a case here for making Jesus Lord. I'm making a case here from all of us to say, "Uh, Jesus is Lord, I don't have any control issues. Sure you do. I mean, they're small and we're working on them and we are driving them out. If you ever find one mouse, you're looking for the whole family. Is that right? (laughs) He's like, ah, there's not just one in here. Well, we're working it out. We're working stuff out, and we're working stuff in. What are we working in? The lordship of Jesus. Not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. That is the lordship. That's what Jesus prayed. The goodness of God is leading us to change. The goodness of God is leading us to change. What is the change? Well, pick up your stuff and do this better and stay longer and and pray harder. That's not what he's asking. That's not what what Jesus is. That's not what the goodness of God is leading you to do. Everything that the goodness of God is leading you and I to do always points to make Jesus Lord. That's it. Because he fixes everything. If you make him Lord, it's done. Well, I'm too busy for that. Jesus is not Lord. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to read the Word. You don't have time to go to church. You don't have time to be nice to people. You don't have time to give, whatever. What, those are just, those are not the elements of a Christian, but it's what we do once Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm not saying people that don't go to church don't have Jesus as Lord. I'm just saying they can't be strong. Going to church makes you strong. You can go to heaven. Every Christian, everybody that says Jesus is Savior is going to heaven. But you won't have a life down here that's strong, that's successful, that's triumphant. You'll have a hard life. I have had a hard life in some parts of my life where Jesus wasn't Lord. I always knew he was the answer, but he wasn't Lord. But now I got him. I got him up there. How about y'all? If uh, we always joke about somebody that's working hard to put the top rock on the pyramid and they go home except it keeps rolling down the other side. Well, that's, that's what Jesus him, making him Lord is. You get it up there and you go, ah, there's something else. But it's the only thing that we have to do is make him Lord. I can do that. I can do that. When things I do and think and say and, and fall back on... He, re- I realized that's not what Jesus is leaving. That's what my flesh wants, and that's what my insecurities say, and that's what my fear says. But none of that is Jesus' Lord. I stop and arrest myself. It's the goodness of God that leads me to change. I want Jesus' Lord. I want Him. Being Savior is not good enough for me, and it's not good enough for us. So I'm going to... Adm- encourage you to break out of the herd out of the religious herd that just says good enough is good enough and put on a spirit of excellence that says I'm not just living close to the line I'm living way above the line how far as far as I can live that we're just down here on earth for a few years y'all know uh, I I read something uh, yesterday or this morning and said an elderly man was beat up was killed with a hammer The 71-year-old was this and that. Now, 71-year-old is elderly? (laughs) I about lost it. (laughs) That's that's getting close. (laughs) 71 is elderly? Yeah, the old man, the old man, 71. So you get a new perspective, don't you? I used to say about my folks, I said, how are they breathing at that age? So we got to get a new perspective about lordship. It used to be good enough, but it's not good enough anymore. We're in a crazy world. And we can't just get by. We got to go ahead. So surre- I'm surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. Pastor Buzzy used to say God doesn't just love you, He's in love with you. If you'll draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to you. So we're saying that the uncommon man and the exceptional woman is so narrow and so rare because they make Jesus Lord. But in that, people look at us, live around us, and say, I want to be exceptional, uncommon, peculiar, and excellent, I want to make Jesus his Lord. That guy there, he's uh, he's not smart, he's not pretty, he's not uh, gifted in any way. But Jesus is Lord. I want to be like him. Whereas I used to be wanted to be like these knotheads over here. I want to be like him. It's the key. But if nobody looks, you'll have the whole life. So Lord, we thank you that you indeed are Lord. We are not wondering or debating whether you are. You are Lord of all, and there's a day coming where the dead and the living will bow their knee and acknowledge that you're Lord, that they lived a lordless life. They lived a rebellious life. They didn't make Jesus even Savior. And you say that every knee will bow and confess to the glory of God that Jesus is Lord. But we're not, Lord, we, right now, we're saying Jesus is Lord. So all over the house, we're just going to say it to him. Jesus, you're my Lord. I want you to be more of a Lord, and I'm giving me up. I'm, I'm taking the control out of my life and giving it over to you. My money, I'm, I'm going to quit controlling it. I'm going to do what the Word says, and I'll have what the Word says. And my body, Lord, I'm not going to diagnose myself and, and granny's cures and, and medicines. And po- Lord, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my body and my children, Lord. I quit fearing about my children because Jesus is Lord. And you take care of mine, Lord, because you're my Lord. And we change it, Lord. We just change it. We give it up. We surrender. We turn it around. And we thank you for drawing near to us as we move towards you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Isn't Jesus wonderful? I just I tell you, it's a great life we have. Y'all, we have a great life. If your money's not right, it's coming. If your body's not right, just turn it around. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a, a, a neurosurgeon. It just takes you saying, Jesus, be my Lord. Be the Lord over my body. And I'm telling you, you'll be amazed. Couldn't you'll go, well, why didn't it happen before? Because we weren't looking for him. We were. <laughs> oh, anyway, amen. It's a great life. So there's nine things that I know of that make you uncommon and exceptional. I'd find them, and I would adjust. And you just go like a shining star into heaven. When he raptures us up, let's be uncommon. Let's be the sparkly ones. the shiny ones that go up. Oh, we're all going up, but yay. Well, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I will guide you through these times, saith the Lord, that are ahead. I will... I will put you on a path that you will walk unscathed and unharmed. And I will deliver you, saith the Lord, from the, the, the fierce ones that say they will take your life. I will deliver you, saith the Lord. Yield to me. Just give it up and I will deliver you. I'll deliver you out of your lack. I'll deliver you out of your troubles. And I will be your deliverer because I am your Lord, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah.